All right. That went well. Yay. Are you still there? I am. Okay. So today, hi, everybody. I am Skyping with my beautiful newfound friend, Paulette Thomason, and she is coming at us from Vancouver, British Columbia in Canada, which is so cool. I just think it's awesome. And I tell everybody about the way we met because I think it's one of those, such a beautiful, like synchronicity in action. Because here I am taking this huge step of one flying to, flying, you know, and with my panic attack history, um, and flying down with my sister to Orlando and we get in this super shuttle and they say, oh, we have to get one more. And I looked at my sister like, how are we going to squeeze it? How are we going to squeeze somebody else in? And I'm as nervous as can be. You know, I can feel my anxiety heightening. And we are getting ready. Um, so we pull up and, and Paulette, you know, squeezes in the back seat with me. And, I, you know, we had to squish in close to one another to get those seat belts in. And my sister says to me as we get on I-4 in heavy traffic, Terry, why are your eyes closed? <laughs> and I said, Katie, have you not been paying attention for the last 30 years? Uh, I have panic attacks on highways. And then this beautiful soul next to me says, I'm a trauma therapist. And I thought, holy cow universe of all the people in the world to sit down next to me during this moment is this amazing soul. And so, and then when you started talking to me about, you know, lift your left toes yeah. up and then do the dance. And so I, now I like, that's a one, two, three, one, two, three kind of dance in my head. And I, I thank you. And I love you for that. Yeah. It's, it's a wonderful waltz time. So we can just waltz our way through life. <laughs> yes. And I do. And, it, and I've added that to my toolbox and I absolutely love it. And so I just, I adore you for being in that moment. And I just think it was wonderful. It was great. So welcome. Thank you. Thank you. It was delightful to meet you too and your sister. Uh, and I just loved your sense of humor. And what I also loved was your willingness to just, I mean, here I was just saying, well, I'm a trauma therapist. So hey, this is what you can do to help regulate your nervous system and calm yourself down. And you did it. Yes. You know, you didn't. Oh, well, just be quiet, lady, and mind your own <laughs> Right, right. Like, oh, thank you, thank you, you know, which was, and uh, because I, I was kind of hesitant, because there I was with these two people that I didn't know, and who am I? I don't have any consent, you know, nobody said, right. hey, I want to, <laughs> can you help me? Right. <laughs> well, and it, and it just worked because it's it, and it worked because of you. It, it worked because of who you are. You know, I was just passing on information, and there you were, just so open and willing, which is just beautiful. That's uh, what I love about you. Well, thank you, thank you so very much, and I, I agree. Like it just was one of those meant to be moments in time, and it was yeah. it was beautiful. So, so yeah. So, with that, and having said that. So, what is it that you do? What 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 do you title yourself? Oh gosh, you know I do so many things, and it's 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 hard to say. I'm pretty much an eclectic nurse therapist. My background is in in um, my undergrad degree is in nursing, and I have a clinical specialty in psychiatry. 
And and then I decided to go and get my master's in counseling psych because I could see that that psychiatry was um, missing a whole lot as far as I was concerned. You know, they weren't they were medicating people, and I mean, there's a there's a place for it. However, it wasn't where my heart wanted to be in working with people. And to tell you the truth, I thought I knew a little bit more than the, than the psychiatrist. <laughs> Funny how that happens, right? <laughs> my undergrad is in psychology, so yeah, I've had those moments where I'm like, oh, sometimes I think our that that personal connection is just helps us connect and help people so much more than the all the knowledge and the books and the, the studying, you know, part of it. And, oh, you can't, don't, she can't go there, don't talk to her about that. Well, that's her problem. So why can't we go there and explore and help her understand? Anyway, so um, I did that. And, and because people were coming to see me anyway, you know, just, uh, and so I started private practice. And then I, uh, I, I really evolved. I was very body oriented and I think because I've always trusted my own body and my body talks to me and so that was fine <laughs> and so um, and then I just branched into a whole lot I, I went into um, adult children of alcoholics and started working with family of origin and and then I got trained with Sharon Wakeshider Cruz and and in the Virginia Satir model of the reconstruction and all of that. And then I did psychodrama and then I became, uh, so I did a lot of experiential therapy, uh, working at onsite. And then I became an equine therapist and pulled horses into it because they're so natural. And, and then I did somatic experiencing and oh my gosh, it just goes on and on and on. So what do I do? I'm, I'm pretty eclectic. Uh, I basically work with people to assist them in getting in touch with their own awesomeness and the awesomeness of the universe. I love it. <laughs> That's so fantastic because I'm very eclectic in all that I've learned. And taught. I mean, I do EMDR therapy, which you and I had talked about in our in the drive in Orlando, um, which has been amazing in helping me on my healing journey. But I've done like Ho Ho Pono Pono, which is Hawaiian healing. Yes, I know. Yes, yes. I've done EFT or tapping. I had an actual therapist. I mean, I've seen Nick Ortner, obviously, his videos. Yeah. But um, I had a um, yeah a counselor or therapist work with me and do some of that. And I've done, you know, I've done the traditional therapies. And with all of my trauma history, um, I just gave a speech, oh, gosh, maybe two weeks ago, um, to like 250 people and it was on trauma and there was a Lisa Ferenz of the Ferenz Institute and she had come in and oh my gosh some of the stuff that she was talking about you know I just kept I'm that person that just yeah. absorbs and I'm so willing to learn anything I yeah. can that can give me just a little bit further of a of a step uh, to, on the healing journey and so it's been really beautiful and you've been a part of that as well so thank you again and yeah. now what was 
Go ahead. Well, I just want to mention another thing that I think is really, really good for people with, with trauma who are doing like EMDR and somatic experiencing and somatic transformation and tapping and all of that, that uh, is body namics. Body namics is just an amazing. I mean, it just it looks at all character structure and the the underlying like growth and development and attachment and oh, there's just so much. That's super cool. I've not ever heard of it before, so I will definitely put that yeah. on my research agenda. Yeah, well, I, oh, if you find a really good body namics therapist, especially the one it started in Europe, and um, and it's just oh. It's phenomenal. I mean, they just look at people walking down the street, and you can tell their trauma history and when it started. And, wow, oh, that's so cool. <laughs> oh, I'm yes. When, when we hang up, that's what I'm going to be doing tonight. I'll be like, you know, body dynamics research. That's fantastic. Well, and I'm reading a lot. I do a lot of reading, and what in two of the books um, on brain plasticity, and that yes. has brought me so much hope, and I think so many people so much hope is that. I thought, yeah. oh, these horrible traumas happened to me, and I'm going to be broken forever. I'm going to be stuck. Yeah. Right. No. Because yeah. I had these, you know, these neuron pathways were created, and 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 now I realize that these habitual patterns that I've created for myself, um, especially in avoidance behavior, um, has that that I can I can change those habits, and I can reroute those neuron pathways, and that. The brain is plastic, and um, yeah, so it's it's exciting. It's exciting to know that it's an option to to make these changes. Yes, it's it's wonderful, and and uh, a lot of the work, with Porges' work and Vanderkoek's work, and um, oh gosh, what's his name? I I still got it elements of chemo brain so it's hard for me to sometimes remember names <laughs> yes i think uh, i put uh yeah vander Kolk, the body keeps the score um was yeah. one and then um oh my gosh and i i'm doing the same thing i'm drawing a blank and it, i think he's one of the hay house authors joe dispenza oh, um, yes one, i've done two workshops with him both yeah. the progressive and the advanced he has absolutely just enhanced my life incredibly. Yes, mine too. His, his meditations are phenomenal. Yes, uh, I do. I do his meditations, and then I do the Ah meditation with Wayne Dyer. I I do that through YouTube um, in the morning, and I think that's it, it's a wonderful way for getting me very centered and starting my day on a positive note. So, <laughs> wow, I love I it. I know. I know. I, I need to hop on a plane one of these days. I've heard. I've heard. Uh, Vancouver is absolutely beautiful, and so I know. I am. I'm in my house. I'll be Come like, visit me. ding dong. Hi, I'm here. <laughs> I, I. It would be awesome. It's so cold and wet. It's been. We got. We've got ten days of rain. Oh, oh my gosh! How cold does it get yeah. up there? Well, it you. It's always hovers around zero and a little bit above zero. Like today, I think it's six degrees, uh, which, I mean, that's Celsius. Okay. okay. So that's about 40 there, uh, in Fahrenheit. Okay. 40 in Fahrenheit. Oh, gosh. Because you, you freeze at 32 degrees, right? Right, so 32, yes. Freezing. Yes. But it's the 
damp cold that gets into your bones here. Right, right. I was going to say, you you guys are warmer than us right now. We're in Cincinnati, and we are, I think today was 38 degrees, maybe, maybe uh -huh. 34, so it's chilly too, yeah. Yeah, no. but it's a dry beat, which is our dry cold, which is different. Yes. That's really gets to me. Anyway. Right, to the, the to the bone. So all right, so I had sent you I had sent you some of my questions, so we'll we'll run through yeah. them a little bit. Um okay. so one of the things was please tell us a little bit about and you, you gave us your story and why you're passionate about this so how did you get you got into this just because you, you knew through meeting with patients, that there was a need. There was a need, yes, and um, and I that the underlying trauma is, I believe, is the basis for all of the illnesses that we have, depression and all the the mental illnesses. I believe also a lot of the physical illnesses that we have are about early trauma, you know, emotional developmental trauma, shock trauma, there's so many, and especially in today's society, where all the, you know, there's questioning about it, all these women come forward with all of their trauma stories. Yes. They have to stand when they were, you know, adolescents, and, you know, not to get into the whole politics of all of that, but, uh, and people questioning, you know, why didn't they come forward? I mean, how is a child going to come forward right. against somebody that's powerful? So that just increases, and that trauma just keeps building. And so at the basis of all, I think, is trauma. And once we heal that and help people reconnect to their genuine innocence and, and brilliance, I think that that... We will heal spontaneously. We Absolutely. will heal, and our brain will automatically, um, with a little bit of help from us, start on absolutely new pathways. Absolutely, just all kinds of new pathways. I agree, and it, and it, because I think you know, just like the universe is always trying to be in balance, I think our brains are doing the same thing. It, our brain, our brain, and our body, yeah. it wants balance. And so yes. it's just when we're, you know, I didn't tell anybody about everything that had happened to me other than the bank robberies until I was 32. So, you know, I was 32 years old before I finally talked about, you know, the being sexually molested and the date rape and all those, all of those things. And I just, I went to, um, like I said, this conference and they had these squishy brains, which I'm holding up for you to see. And it says, ask me about my ACEs. And so the ACEs score... Have you heard of that before? Where you no. So there's there's a you you figure out what your ACEs score is, and so there's like ten questions, and it's like, have you were you exposed to um, any sort of violence? Were you exposed to any sort of you know alcoholism or drug addiction? Were you exposed? And so it, you run through these ten questions, and then you give your score, and they're saying that people who score now I'm I'm so talking and I don't have data in front of me but from what I remember like a three or a four their percentages are thinkered like in the 60s or 70 percent to have physical ailments to have mental um, you know uh, mental yeah. health disorders to have and it just goes up so much when you score just a few of these and so I told my sister this morning I said yeah I did my ACEs score and I scored an eight out of ten <laughs> and she said 
she was like, holy cow, how are we, how are we okay? I'm like, I don't know, the grace of God, I don't know. <laughs> it's because we are brilliant. The reason that you are doing so well, in spite of all of the trauma that you have um, been impacted by, is because we are resilient and we have a drive to survive and thrive. We have that drive inside of us that can't be squelched. Yes. It can't, it takes, um, it, I mean, when, you know, we have the downtown east side here in Vancouver where all of the, um, that's the, the, the congregation of drug addiction is in that area of the city. And it's, you know, a couple of streets. It's about a, a four-block area. And we call it the downtown east side. And it's, it's so sad. But even then, you'll see them still. I, do me, I drive through there every so often, and I, I am just amazed at the... the Perseverance, to, yes. The yes. perseverance in spite of it all, and do that, are they persevering in their addiction? Absolutely, because that's where they get some form of relief. Right. You know, as brief as it is, they do get some relief. And control, and, and I and, think a part of it is about control as well. Yes. And control. So, and yet, there is this, and some of us, have haven't had we've had more resilience and more drive than the trauma and so we can we can go on and others haven't the trauma has been so big that uh their drive wasn't as big as the, the trauma was bigger than that and i think that's how it is but i think in every person there is this divine uh, drive to to become. Yes, and I could not agree more. And that's why I think, you know, in offering hope to others, either via what you do in, in providing these amazing modalities or through stories that we share or for, through connecting with other people who have had similar situations and providing that hope that... It right. sparks something in people, and it's an it's an ignition within to fire up that thing that you just talked about, whatever that is inside that perseverance, that drive, that 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 holy place, you know, whatever we want to label it. Um, and right. and they just need that little bit of spark, that little bit of hope thrown at them, and then they can hang. They like grab a hold of it. Like, yes, I can do yeah. this. I can do this. That's so cool. And they, yeah, I agree, and I think. We all need support because trauma will try and isolate us, and we need to we need to we need to connect. Trauma is about it's it's uh, we go into this place of isolation because we don't feel like we can connect. It hits us in terms of our sense of worthiness. Uh, our self-worth, it hits us in 
at so many places. I'm different. I'm, you know, um, I'm, I'm uh, contaminated now, or there's, there's something wrong with me. And it causes us to isolate. And isolation is, is the way that it gets to us spiritually. Yes. yes. Because, uh, you know, and so if we can have, I think that's why uh, the 12-step programs, one of the reasons the 12-step programs work is because it breaks isolation. And then they can have people that they can identify with. You were talking about sharing of stories. They can identify with and they know that they're not alone anymore. Yes. Well, Al-Anon, Al-Anon has been huge for me in, in that, in not just in dealing with an alcoholic parent and that history, but in dealing right. with so many, it's amazing how it trickles into so much of my other traumas. And just, again, being able to relate and being able to have that connection is, is very powerful. Very, very powerful. Yes, yeah. And so... Basically, what do I do in therapy? I, number one, teach everybody how to regulate the first session that they're in my office. So I teach them how to regulate their nervous system. And then we work at with their strengths and who they are so that they develop this sense of who they are so that they can go in and go around the trauma and, and take a look at the trauma and go around it so that the trauma can get smaller and they can get bigger. Okay, that's beautiful. I love I love looking at it that way. That's awesome. Yeah. 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 Okay. So, go ahead. No, I was just going to glance down here at the um, at more of the questions. Okay. And seeing if there's anything more you wanted me to talk about. Yes, yeah, so... Who, who is your message directed towards? Is is it just people who experience trauma? Because you also talked about you know like your your work in sex addiction and in sexuality and yeah. Well, I think that a lot of um, I think that a, I, my practice. I mean, my message is directed to everyone, uh, but my practice. I mainly. I mean, 80% of my practice, 90% of my practice is men. And so I work with men. And uh, it's interesting because, you know, most of the time you think about therapy, you think about women because we are the ones that come forward more and, and say, I need help because we look inward and men look outward. Uh, and so, because uh, they're out there, you know, in the in the world. And so... Um, you've heard about that <laughs> that test they did I'm sure where they had this puzzle that was impossible to do because there was one or two pieces missing and they put women in to do the puzzle and the women worked and worked and worked and worked and worked and worked and worked and, worked, and they came out saying I don't know what's wrong with us we can't get this puzzle to work and they put a bunch of men in with exactly the same puzzle and the men worked for a little bit and then they said stupid puzzle doesn't work okay so the women internalized it and That's took right. personal responsibility they, for it and the men just said ah it's broken That's right okay That's right. that is fascinating that is fascinating and i'm not sure if that's 
still goes in our society today because that was done about 20, 30 years ago. Um, so I work with these men, and I'll tell you, I've got some of the most amazing, amazing men in my practice who are working hard to be better men, better husbands, better fathers, better friends, better uh, bosses. And these men are, they, they just amaze me because they're, uh, I keep thinking that their girlfriends and their, and their wives should be thanking me because <laughs> <laughs> they, are, they, are just, they are just blossoming into the most amazing men. You know, these are, these are men with integrity. These are men with, with compassion that are self-reflective. That, and they all came to me with really severe sex addiction. Okay. And they have just transformed their lives. And I think that if you can get to the bottom of the trauma and uh, that sex addiction is something that can definitely be treated. Now, there's a difference between sex addiction and predators. There's quite a difference. Right, right. And, and so it's like there are some people in the news today that are going, oh, they're getting treatment for sex addiction. I'm not sure that it is sex addiction. It sounds more predatory to me. Okay. And, and there is quite a difference. Although I don't give up hope for anyone. I always say that, that hopefully, you know, they, they can Right, right. You know, uh, but I think the important thing is to, uh, as I said, it's, it's the, I mean, the first thing that I check with people after I teach them how to regulate are their strengths and what is their spiritual connection. How do they connect to something bigger than themselves? Because a lot of them are, we are, a lot of our society is spiritually bereft, even though they may have a lot of, um, they may profess to have a lot of um, religion. Religion right. is very important. Them. But there's no spirituality. Yes, and I and I agree with that. It, it, when you uh, have a structured religious background, um, sometimes that can almost. I mean, I know with in, in my own case um, was a deterrent. I, I carried a lot of guilt. Um, yeah. Now I'm still in my faith and practicing my faith, but. It, on a, such a different level now because now I have a connection with spirituality. Now I have a connection with God and angels and universe and, and energy in a very loving, compassionate way, um, yes. which was different than what I had been taught in this structured religious, and nothing against my dad. You know, my dad was a Jesuit brother for eight years before leaving the seminary. And so he was a theologian and very structured in um, you know, the Catholic faith on the theology part of it. And so that's what I grew up with. Um, and so, yeah, so now, again, growing on a spiritual level has just has just made it that much better as far as my faith goes. So, yeah, that's yes. awesome. And I, 
And I think that if we can take take those veils and, and those those restrictive boxes that we have been placed in and we can break out of them and in a gentle way so that the essence of us can come forward. I think that is the best. And I think for me, the I, I think everyone has their own path. And for me, my path came through um, my body, working with my body and my nervous system and just uh, allowing. And so that's why the trauma that I had in my childhood, because I lived in fear. I also had an alcoholic family and who was a rager and violent. And, and, um, and, and so I lived in, in, in chronic fear, you know, coming down the steps in the morning, never knowing what it was, and I, I mean, my sensitivities grew, though, I, and I'm grateful in some ways for that, because I would come home from school, and I'd put my hand on the doorknob, and I could sense the energy that was in the house, at that, you know, yeah. and so I developed a great sensitivity for, for uh, reading people, and for, I was very aware of what was going on, the energy that was going on in the room and the energy that was going on around me. So I still am, you know, and it's really, that part of me has really been enhanced. And so I use it a lot with my clients because I can, you know, I can really sense what's happening with them. And I use my body as a tool for reading what's going on with them. And that's beautiful. And I, and Another thing I've noticed in our world, again, as we as we grow as a society and and people, the more we talk about this, how many more people that I have been meeting, and maybe it's just I'm drawing that to me with my energy, but how many more people are in tune with, and they're able to pick up on that energy, and they're able to connect um, and, and kind of, I want to say, see past the bullshit sometimes. Um, yes. You know what I mean? And because we all wear masks and we all have the facades. And, and to be able, when you get to an energy level, there is there is no faking that. Yes. The, the energy is the energy. Yes. And so that's, um, as we all become more in tune with that, it, it does help us connect because we can just move past the masks and, and connect with right. that part of it. Yes. You know... Um and I think that our, I, I don't see, and this is just my point of view uh, and my belief system, is that I don't see how we can separate our spirituality and our sexuality. I think that they are uh, combined. And that uh, whether I'm, uh, you know, um, I think the only ones that would struggle a little bit with what I say are the transgendered now because um, and maybe not maybe not because they're really being true to their mm -hmm. their spirituality they're, they're being even though for me my spirituality is housed in my body through my sexuality because I'm a woman, and so my body expresses as a woman in my in my sexuality and my spirituality. Uh, and they may they may have struggle with that because their body doesn't do it. Right. 
but their essence the and their I think their soul essence. yes their essence does and that's essence. where that you know it is all intertwined the sensuality and the sexuality and the spirituality and it you know we, we separated into these little boxes like I mean what you had just said a few yeah. minutes ago about these boxes and I see the same it's all part of us and it is all intertwined and connected in so many ways that we're still right. we're still figuring out and we're still studying and you know we had talked yeah. I think about this brain plasticity maybe before I started hitting record um, and again there's just everything we're learning every day about how we operate is just it's it's beautiful and amazing and i love i love how much we're learning about us along this way you know these past couple of years of research so and i think that you know when i when i because i work with men who have been sexually addicted you know i think that was their way they were disconnecting i mean sexual trauma be it um, just implied or actual, you know, physical trauma, um, has has really separated them from their sexuality, and so they they don't have their true sexuality. They're just they're separate. They can't have love and sex in the same relationship, and they just use and abuse their sexuality. So in the treatment of that, you stop the addiction. But I work with their wives as well and their partners who have been traumatized, severely traumatized by the betrayal and the addiction that they that their the men are participating in. And there are female sex addicts as well. I need to say that uh, I just have been working more with men. Um, They have, in their addiction, traumatized their own sexuality so bad that it's, it's, it takes quite a while, but it can be because their arousal template has been tampered with okay. by the by trauma. And so, and especially on the, especially around computers, those who have been affected by internet pornography mm-hmm. because it's so sad because our, our children are being given their their sex education through pornography on the internet but when we look at a computer screen it's a light and our our eyes are not and our brain is not developed to take in light directly. We don't look at the sun. We don't look at the, and the, the light bulb. But we do, when we're on a computer, we look, there's a steady light. It's camouflaged by images and icons and other things. But it's a steady light. And that's, um, maybe this is my message for today. Uh, that steady light can, puts us into startle. So our natural defenses are compromised. How many times have you gone onto their computer and thought, well, I'll just answer a few um, emails, I'll be five minutes, and 20 minutes later you look at your watch and go, oh my God, where did the time go? Right, yes. And that's because you're in startle, okay? So you have some adrenaline on board, and you're, and you're, you're in a trance. Well, the same thing happens when they're on 
on pornography. There's a light, they're in, in a trance, and their defenses are compromised, just like deer caught in the headlights. Okay. Okay. Their, their whole defenses are compromised. They can't keep themselves safe. And uh, these sites uh, will put up images, okay, and our brain gets, and so if they're, if they're, it's a couple of things. They've got adrenaline on board and they've got the androgens on board. It's a cocktail that you're not going to have in a loving relationship, okay? Okay. Because you won't be in startle as you're making love with your partner. And so that heightened, it's a... It heightens it. It's a different site in the brain. And then they have these pop-ups that come. And because they're compromised, because they can't, uh, you know, they don't react as, as fast, they can't, you know, flick it away, click, and it's flicked away. Like they can if they're looking at a magazine and they're aroused and they won't be in startle. But they can look at that and go, oh, I lost you for just one second. Sorry about that. That's okay. So I so, understood. So, yeah, so they, what, with a magazine, they have control with the computer they screen. Computer, they don't. Okay, gotcha. They think they do, but they don't. Because then that image, whatever it be, and they're always, these, these porn sites are, they know, they know, and they're, they're just geared to increase the stimuli. And, um, and so they they pop up images, and then that gets burnt into their brain, and it shifts their arousal template. And I have had men come to my office who have never ever been uh, interested in adolescents or young or younger right. women or girls or boys, and then but this has happened to them a couple of times on the sites they go to. And then they're driving down the street and they see an adolescent and they find themselves getting aroused as they see an adolescent girl and or boy. And that they come to me terrified because what are they going to do? And they have to have their whole arousal template reconstructed again because that gets burnt into their brain. Wow. And so that's the danger of the internet. So that's my message for today. Watch what your kids are are really screen what your kids are watching. Get a get really good parental controls on all their devices because of that light. Wow. And I, yeah, I just so I mean it makes absolutely so much sense. And it just yes. I just didn't ever you know, we have to read um um I can never pronounce it right. It's like V I R T U S, Virtus, or I forget. But it's right. it's it's um, you know for education through the school. You know if we're going to go in and work with kids and so forth. And and the past couple of articles that have come through have been on um, this the sex slave trade that's going on, particularly in the states, and then um, although worldwide, and then. Um, again the porn industry and how they're targeting 
children and targeting young adults as well as not just for viewers but they're using they're getting these children into it um and so to read this stuff you just think oh my gosh it's, it's just it's just crazy to me and it, it's heartbreaking it is it's very heartbreaking and um so i mean i really i was involved in a in canada we have a, a national series called the passionate eye and it's all first rate documentaries and i was involved in uh, a documentary on the uh the dark side of the net and my what i was involved with first one was about predators trolling kids on the internet and it was very scary uh, then mine was on sex addiction and, and porn addiction, and it was called O.com. And very well done, very well done. And then the last one, I forget what she did, but this wonderful producer that that uh, does these incredible documentaries. And it was really, really scary, and I talked about it then. I don't hear a lot about it um, and yet, I know that the brain research, I'm going to get in touch with some of them, but they haven't really stressed that enough. They have not stressed enough about the whole thing about the light because it does produce a cocktail. It does produce, I mean, Hugh Hefner, Hugh Hefner could not, I mean, as much as Hugh was revolutionizing the whole sexual um, scene and everybody thought oh what a great prowess of sexuality was and he would go to bed with these three you know bunnies that he had but you know he could not orgasm with a woman wow. he would have to get out of bed and go and sit in front of pornography in order to do it that's how much pornography affected him and how uh, and it, that's how it ruins relationships. Right. Wow. Then, then they get to the, and I'm only talking about men, women are involved in this too, but it's mainly, the, I speak to, about men because that's who I'm seeing. They, um, they lose the ability because you're not going to get that adrenaline shot. Right. Right, which is, that's exactly what stuck out to me when you were talking is it's it's that little surge of that, that extra little kick of excitement that it's like, it's the chemical, it's the chemical surge. Right. And because also in a healthy relationship, you have the androgens, which are the sex ones, and, and, and the uh, vasopressins, which are the bonding ones. So you have a different combination. It's a more lasting and it's a more fulfilling combination, but it doesn't have that buzz right. of the adrenaline that the the porn does. Wow, that's fascinating. Yeah. So and it traumatizes because it does. I mean, every time those kind of different images come up, and and you know, it traumatizes their sexuality. It traumatizes the arousal template. I mean, right. we all have an arousal template, and um, you know, thank God that we have different ones because otherwise we'd all be after the same person. <laughs> right, right. But I mean, it, so it, it, it's a violation, is what it is. It's a. It is. 
just being violated. I, I recently had somebody make a fake debit card and you try to use it in Atlanta, but I caught it after like they got some gas and went to a cafe. But to me, it was such a violation of, you know, my yes. bank, my bank stopped everything from happening. So there was really no issues, but, um, it's still, it just, I felt so violated even by that little tiny thing. So again, it's that same sort of, um, somebody's coming into your brain without yes. your permission. Yes. Wow. It is violation. Yeah. Fascinating. And so it's, um, and then there's that whole dark side of the, of the web where it's not the worldwide web. It's the other areas of the web where they share and what they're doing now uh, around sharing child pornography and what you were talking about. I mean, that whole, that is just a horrific, um, yeah, I just see, heard about that. Isn't it called? Isn't it called the dark web? Is I think yeah. what it's called. And yeah, I just I just heard about that maybe a month or two ago, and I thought, oh my goodness gracious, scary. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, we are at forty five minutes. I could talk to you for you know another three hours. So we'll have to schedule you again to come back on and and do this. Is there anything else that you wanted our listeners to, I mean, I love everything that you've said and it's been amazing having you here with me, um, but didn't know if there's anything else in particular that you wanted to touch on in these last few minutes. Well, uh, I guess just uh, getting up. Um, I wanted to know that sexuality can be just the most wonderful and fulfilling part of their lives and, and that the the addiction and the part that I've been talking about is just, it's what's been thrown at it. And the internet has just caused it to explode. Um, but to really look at um, just really treating themselves well, I think, um, oh, there's so much. There's, um, what, there's a thing that, that I think is so important is that people learn to keep themselves safe uh, physically, emotionally, spiritually, intellectually, uh, really keep ourselves safe and in that way our self-worth grows and as our self-worth grows then we come into our true identity and then life can be wonderful. Right. Yes, and as I talked to you a little, a little bit beforehand, you know, before we recorded that, there's there was such a shift when I finally became comfortable with who I was, and yeah. embraced that part of myself, and and just in such a happier, you know, people will say to me, you you just radiate happiness, you radiate joy, and it and that's part of it is in being able to finally say this is who I am, take it or leave it. Um, I love who I am, and um, there you go. And I think it's so beautiful when we get to that place of being able to do that and just being able to really embrace without all the, oh, I should have or I shouldn't have, and, and uh, just to celebrate because each one of us is a celebration each one of us has our own little note to play in the symphony and if we don't play it then the symphony of the universe doesn't get to be played right 
That's beautiful. What a great way to what a great way to look at that. Is yes, our notes would be missing. Our portion of the music. Yeah. Can you imagine if you went to Handel's Messiah and, and notes were missing? Right. Right. It wouldn't work. So if we don't come into our own and love the note that we are playing in this symphony. Oh, I love that. That's fantastic. That could be a book in and of itself. I mean, how beautiful. <laughs> Maybe we should get together and write it. I know. I think we should. I'm putting it on my list. That's fantastic. <laughs> well, I have absolutely loved having you here on the show with me. And uh, again, I have we have like six more questions we haven't even touched on yet. So <laughs> that means you'll have to come back and do it again. I would love to, Terry. Thank you so much. This has been such fun. I know it really has. Well, I'm going to sign off here on the podcast, but I'm going to stay on you with you on the phone for just a moment. So. I just want to tell everybody to uh, be gentle with yourselves and take care, and we will see you next Friday. All right. Bye-bye.